one of the biggest enemies of truth, you know, the collective truth or, you know, like is censorship. You know, I think we've talked about it, you know, and that was understood right under Lenin, right? When there was debate and you have to have debate, you have to have open conversation, you have to have, you know, hash those things out. And, you know, I think that's like the, the scariest thing. And that's why I, um, I tend to be more afraid, you know, I, I understand, you know, like there's opposite, opposite sides, right? And, but they're all working towards the same end. And, but I am more afraid of those who don't find a problem with, you know, censoring people. Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. We are online at what-s-left.webnode.com. My name is Andy Lipson, and we are joined by Kenny Cepeda, and Jessica is back. Welcome, Jessica. And you can see, once again, we are joined by John Kleisick, who is the author of School Board Order, The Technocratic Globalization of Corporatized Education, and a frequent contributor to Unlimited Hangout. Um, welcome, uh, Jake and... You will also note that Eduardo is not here this week. He will be back next week. Um, one final thing to say is um, just remember to please subscribe, rate, and review, and turn on your notifications, share your favorite episodes, and jot down our information wherever you find this episode. And just a word of warning, folks, we were threatened with an episode, uh, previous episode being taken down. And in fact, YouTube had taken it down. It was our fellow, from fellow, fellow teacher to fellow traveler the one where we interviewed James DeShanes. Um, and they said there was, you know, medical misinformation in it and what have you. That could have taken our channel down. It would have taken our channel down for a week. We actually appealed it. Um, and I was surprised to see that our appeal was upheld. So they they removed the community strike or what have you. But just to let people should know that we're not necessarily going to be a long time on YouTube. We're here now, but you should know that we're on these. The reason we tell you about the other channels that we're on of Rumble and Tele, Telegram and BitChute and uh, forgetting some of them, but uh, Odyssey and uh, the other ones you hear about um, is because, you know, we could be off any time from, from and it was a, it was an old episode like a year and a half ago. So um, they could do it. They could give us a strike for one a year and a half ago, another another strike and then we're gone for two weeks. And if we get three more strikes, we're out and on YouTube. So people should not get comfortable with thinking that they'll always find us on YouTube. So and if you ever find we're gone, look for us elsewhere. Uh, and again, that's why we tell you about our, our blog. So um, today we're actually coming back. This is really part two of our episode on PSYOP, on PSYOPs and on the lies that we're all in. Um, and I thought, well, what we hope to do is kind of talk about what do we do about that? Um, but Jake actually has created a, a really good um, visual overview of what we talked about last week. So, Jake, I'm going to turn it over to you. You can tell us kind of your synthesis you made of our discussion last week. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, you know, as you and I have talked uh, many times, uh, oftentimes I, I get a better understanding of stuff after I've either written about it or discussed it thoroughly in the didn't write about this, but it's sort of reflecting on everything from last time. Basically, this is sort of to kind of illustrate uh, ultimately what we talked about in terms of the internet 
interactive internet activities, uh, psychological operations uh, that basically uses social media and alt media to um, sort of put people into these, uh, what Michael Aquino called these, these various uh, group dynamics uh, and thereby manipulate people's beliefs, habits, mores, taboos, etc. Okay. And so uh, basically, we start off with your corporate social media and uh, mainstream media, um, and you're going to have data mining operations, and the, the data mining is basically going to be looking at uh, biometrics and psychometrics, okay, uh, behavioral psychology data, basically, uh, but it's going to run those, those uh, data points through uh, basically all your various identity politics categories. So we talked a lot about sort of, um, you know, the, the great awakening and the, in the, uh, a lot of the sort of right of center alt media stuff last time. But I mean, all the, I guess what you could call your various woke categories fit in here. I'm trying to move this thing and it won't move. There it is. Sorry. Uh, so, so ethnicity, class, gender, sexuality, religion, politics, et cetera. Okay, you take all that data uh, in those different group dynamics and you basically can run AI uh, psychological profiling and predictive analytics. You take that and you run it through this interactive internet activities operation. Okay, and based on that data, uh, you can sort of steer each one of those various uh, identity groups through various forms of what we discuss in our Barbara Marx Hubbard uh, episode, which is called the human potential movement. So basically, um, you create ways for people to achieve their individual self-actualization or their human potential, to use Maslow's term, uh, basically by consuming various media or other products uh, or other, you know, getting on sort of these social media virtue signaling trends uh, to basically, again, become self-actualized through your group identity, okay? And uh, those can be filtered through your mainstream stuff or it can be filtered through your alt-media stuff. And your alt-media stuff has basically an MLM component, multi-level marketing. So it's basically this, which always goes together or often goes together with the human potential movement. And that is, right, you're consuming that identity through those various media outlets by consuming the ideas and sharing the ideas and also consuming oftentimes they have products like, you know, uh, alternative holistic health products. Okay. And then you, you sort of create, um, you don't just self-actualize your individual identity, but right. You sort of coalesce into these, into these groups. Um, and through one pathway, right. Basically the mainstream media stuff, your, your mainstream, social media, you largely are being driven into, you know, your, your official consensus with what is the great reset and through various alt media venues, uh, you're being filtered into what's become known as this great awakening. Uh, and then eventually they drive a clash between these two larger groups, which can be broken up into these smaller groups. And then through that clash, basically you have, you can synthesize all the different groups into uh, this new age revolution, which ultimately winds up uh, in in technocracy, which is basically the end game of the Great Reset. So that's basically it. Well, I think that's an awesome summary of, for me, just the general notion of the fact that we are essentially marinated in a sea of lies, 
and we're trying to figure out how to make our way through it. Um, but I think that is a great way of saying that. Um, Jessica, you were not here for last week's episode, but you got a chance to listen to it. Do you have any thoughts you want to share with us about what you made of this week's episode or last week's episode um, or anything that Jake just shared there? Yeah, no, I love the chart. I always love when you do those charts because we get to see like the way your brain works a little bit. Um, and I feel like when I look at that, it's like I, I walk away not only thinking like, okay, what do we do? How do we navigate this? But it's it's like the, you know, on like the trail maps, it's like the you are here. And I'm like, where, like, where am I? Like, where's the room for like the human and all of this, right? Um, and I guess in light of last week's episode, I've just been thinking a lot about human psychology and sort of, yeah, I mean, especially in light of the last few years, but even just looking back, like, I feel like we've been having a lot of recent conversations on and off the podcast about what is working and what is not working. Cause there's a lot of like really great people doing amazing research, right. Um, that feel like it's not reaching enough people or it's not reaching people in the way that it needs to reach them. Um, and I guess I've just been thinking about all the different factors of like how people either take on propaganda or believe psyops or, you know, all of this stuff that you guys uh, discussed last week versus, you know, what enables somebody to actually have some sort of wall of critical thinking or ability to see through certain certain aspects of it um and it's really complicated like that part at the top of your chart jake with the psychometrics and stuff i mean just thinking about like this is such a silly example but one from my personal life that i'm um just experiencing right now so like about a year yeah probably a year ago I, one of my favorite herbalists kind of introduced me to some information about essential oils and how they're not actually uh, great from a sustainability perspective and from a health perspective, like they're kind of um, greenwashed antibiotics in a way. And I could tell like that there was something to this information. Um, you know, this is not like great reset, like you know, jabbing 12 year olds on a global scale, right? Like this is something like super small, you know, on the personal level. But even that, like, I, I just was not ready to like internalize that and like take it on and act accordingly. And it has taken me a year and I'm finally like willing to accept it on not just like an informational level, but also a site, like an emotional level on a um, applied level. Um, and I think it's just like, I just bring it up because it's like, if it's, if it takes that long for something so, um, seemingly like apolitical and unimportant in the grand scheme of things, I mean, not that it's not important, it is, but, you know, sustainability and all that, but, um, like, God, like no wonder people are falling for that stuff. Right. And it's just, I mean, there's everything right from, yes, the information that you're being handed down um from whatever like whether it's from a authority or somebody that you know or somebody on social media or an algorithm but then there's like the circumstances of your life and there's the messenger and what role that messenger has from your point of view there's emotions their emotions your emotions um you know the music playing behind the ad whatever 
personality, relationships, history, drama, um, like your own self-worth, your own health and well-being, and then like your broader worldview, right? And like, how does that, whatever the information is or whatever the propaganda that's coming at you, whether it's real or, or false, um, like how does that fit into your story, right? That you're thinking and sort of living in, um, how, how does it fit in or, or does it, um, so I don't know. That's a few of my rambly thoughts. I actually, I, I brought one little thing to read and I was going to save it and see if it came up, but maybe, I don't know if you guys want to hear, it's just about a page. So I've been reading, um, Tom, rereading actually Tom Robbins, Still Life with Woodpecker. Do you guys know it? It's a famous novel from the eighties, like early, let's see, actually, I don't want to misstate, uh, 1980. Yeah. Um, a really funny, like very Pacific Northwesty. Like I read it freshman year of college, right when I moved to Portland. Um, so it's it's fiction, um, but I was I actually picked it up because we went. Um, I just went on a backpacking trip, and that's why I was gone last week. Um, so I picked it up because I wanted something to read, and it's like really small and light. My copy, um, but it's funny. I was reading this this morning, and there was this passage that I was like, oh my gosh, this connects so well to what we're going to talk about today. Um, so it's just about a page. Um, okay. It's safe to say that objects, as we understand them, are relatively stable, whereas ideas are definitely unstable. They not only can be misused, they invite misuse. And the better the idea, the more volatile it is. That's because only the better ideas turn into dogma. And it is this process whereby a fresh, stimulating, humanly helpful idea is changed into robot dogma that is deadly. In terms of hazardous vectors released, the transformation of ideas into dogma rivals the transformation of hydrogen into helium, uranium into lead, or innocence into corruption, and it is nearly as relentless. The problem starts at the secondary level, not with the originator or developer of the idea, but with the people who are attracted by it, who adopt it, who cling to it until their last nail breaks and who invariably lack the overview, flexibility, imagination, and most importantly, sense of humor to maintain it in the spirit in which it was hatched. Ideas are made by masters, dogma by disciples, and the Buddha is always killed on the road. There is a particularly unattractive and discouraging common affliction called tunnel vision, which for all the misery it causes ought to top the job list at the World Health Organization. Tunnel vision is a disease in which perception is restricted by ignorance and distorted by vested interest. Tunnel vision is caused by an optic fungus that multiplies when the brain is less energetic than the ego. It is complicated by uh, exposure to politics. When a good idea is run through the filters and compressors of ordinary tunnel vision, it not only comes out reduced in scale and value, but in its new dogmatic configuration produces effects the opposite of those for which it originally was intended. That is how the loving, loving ideas of Jesus Christ became the sinister cliches of Christianity. That is why virtually every, every revolution in history has failed. The oppressed, as soon as they seize power, turn into the oppressors, resorting to totalitarian tactics to, quote, protect the revolution. That is why minorities seeking the abolition of prejudice become intolerant. Minorities seeking peace become militant. Minorities seeking 
Equality becomes self-righteous and minorities seeking liberation become hostile. A tight asshole being the first symptom of self-repression. So I just thought that was like, so I was like, oh, maybe that'll be a, a good sort of opening. Um, just this idea of like ideas being just inherently like uh, ripe for misuse um, just by their very nature. Well, you're that that's going to take it a definite def, in a definite different direction if we go to it. So let's see what it takes. Kenny, what do you think? Man, that's a lot um, to think about. But uh, I mean, it does, I guess to bring it, to connect this, like it makes me think about my own process in, you know, like discovering areas where I was wrong <laughs> and I was misled and I fell for things that I thought were right. And, and you know, because I was exposed to, um, just uh, uh, like one hallway, right? Or, you know, one of those areas, you know, there was a point where I was a very liberal person that thought that was doing right, you know, by rejecting the right-wingers, you know, and that, you know, I was as militant as many people who were, um, you know, canceling the anti-vaxxers, quote unquote. Um, and, you know, but I guess it's taken me being on this receiving end to realize how, how this, this whole thing works, you know, like how these, how scary this is, you know, that to, to think that you're right, to think that you're also, uh, uh, you know, going to sources that are more objective, quote unquote. And yet you also realize that even those things are tainted you know, because there is a transmitter, right? There is a mediator of information. Um, and, you know, so, you know, like, so that's what I think this conversation is important to me, you know, to see how it is that everyone else deals with it. Um, because like, by no means do I think I'm completely right. I have strong convictions um, because like, uh, as much as I understand that it's important to be an observer and ask questions, and um, you know, follow logic and things. Um, you know, I'm also human. <laughs> you know, and, and like you said, you know, there is emotion. Uh, there is uh, just uh, that's exactly what makes us human. And and I think the people who are the arbitrators of truth or information, they know this stuff. You know, like and this is not new. You know, like that that they've known this for a long time, and. You know what it's new is the degree of insidiousness you know and 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 detail that you know they can reach us and and so again like more than it i have more questions than than answers about where i'm at you know just like you mentioned before jessica like from that chart that um jake shared at the beginning um i have to ask myself constantly like where do i fit in in there you know, because I, I cannot be arrogant to think that I'm not in that, you know, somewhere in there, you know, like trapped in that, uh, in that web of information. So I guess more than anything, I have questions and, and I have to ask myself constantly and like pause, you know, and, and be challenged, you know, because obviously if you're just surrounded by people that think like you, like say the exact same, like think like you, that's where I found myself in identity politics and it did, didn't feel right. And it didn't feel, didn't feel complete. It didn't feel like it had answers. It was another trap. And so how do we, right, like 
how do we then keep ourselves from falling too deep into a rabbit hole that we think we, we're controlling, but we're not? Yeah, and I think I want to, maybe I'll respond and then Jake, you can come back to it because I think Jessica, you, you've certainly thrown a lot of things out there. The, for me, the most important question that you asked that I do hope we really do get to is where are we in this? Because I really think that's a great question. I don't agree with that Tom Robbins guy. Um, I, to me, that Tom Robbins guy sounds like essentially he's saying that that machine that Jake just showed us is created by humans. And it's, in a sense, it's, it's humanity which has messed everything up. And almost he's talking as if these, these masters like Plato or Socrates or some, some expert are the people who had these bright, brilliant ideas that just get ruined by the proles. Um, that's what I hear in this guy. And I understand why he come, came to that conclusion. I understand how failed revolutions and also the PSYOP machinery itself can create that kind of despair that says, regular people, don't go thinking about ideas because you're just going to fuck them up. So ideas are for the experts. Ideas are for the people who understand the beauty of ideas. I think he thinks he's one of them, um, and he isn't. He's, um, But that's what he probably thinks. Um, and I would actually say the opposite of what he's saying, that that machine that Jake described wasn't created by humans, by the normal operation of regular people. That machine was created by a ruling class. In my case, I believe it's created by the capitalist class. To, it's part of their machinery of what Marx said, the ruling ideas, uh, the, the ideas that rule society are are literally the ideas of the of the ruling class, the power, the class that's in power. And what Jake is kind of describing is one of the mechanisms they make that they're using to assure assure themselves of that. Um, so I'll just say that I don't agree with anything that Tom, Rob, Tom Robbins just said. Um, and I would believe, I think, the exact opposite, that the only way to get out of this is to put ideas back into the place where they ideas actually are hatched and given birth naturally, which is within humans. And that means all of the humans. And if we can get this away from just the elites, then I think we have a shot. Um, but I will say where that question of where are we, I feel I'm right in, I'm in that washing machine that, that is being described there. Like I'm in the spin cycle of a washing machine of lies and truths and lies and truths that I'm literally being spun inside of it and trying to make headways of any of it. And that, I think, is what I was hoping to talk about today, which is, what do you do? Because I think I, I agree with Jake's overall analysis of what they have planned and how it's kind of constructed in that detail. I mean, maybe there's some part I could disagree with, but the overall mechanism of us being marshaled and being um, led and nudged and poked and threatened, into, cajoled into, into our own beliefs, and we think that they're our own when actually they're not our own. They were they're they are being put into us by a system. Um, what do you do? How do you say what is truth in such a situation? And I think that that's what I want to talk about today. Um, because I feel very much a part, or rather, both a part and a victim of this machine, and one who's trying to get out of it or stop it, or trying to find others to help end that machine of idea misinformation and, and mal acting. Um, but how does one, I do think truth is going to play a role in that. Um, so that's what comes up for me. I'm going to, I guess maybe I can try to hazard a synthesis of what you said and what Jessica uh, read. Uh, and that is, so 
what I'm hearing you describe Andy's uh maybe I maybe I could have explicated my uh my flow chart with with this sort of lens but uh it, it sounds like you you remind me of what Horkheimer and Adorno called the, the culture industry right and so it's this idea that um that ideas can be consumed right uh through the market or right that that the, the ideas of the ruling class are reified through the products that we consume and that doesn't just mean like the the utilitarian products like commodities but like art right and and entertainment and things like that and that we can uh in, in the model that i described right they sort of refined that that system in a way in which sort of there's um there's a product for every different identity group basically right and you can basically you can consume that identity and be self-actualized in it by reinforcing the dominant ideas of of the state of the ruling class which have co-opted the ideas in a way that mirrors what uh tom robbins is sort of discussing right so so whether he intended that uh and i've never read the book and from based on that little excerpt uh i didn't get necessarily the impression that he was implying that that it was one class or another that necessarily does that with ideas but i do think that is a phenomenon uh that that recurs throughout history and, and in that right i mean it, the ideas do become distorted uh and and often at that point however we get there they are distorted for the purpose of perpetuating and reifying the the, the, the ruling class the power structure Right. Um, and so I guess for today, then uh, what we're going to talk about then is not. I mean, so obviously, yes, we're, we're going to talk about truth. What is it and, and how can we do our best to, you know, identify it and, and try to act it out? But also, um, how do we approach ideas uh or to use the language I've already used, although I don't like the, the term consume ideas, right, to to. Um, embody ideas in ways that do not distort or uh uh you know pro profane their their actual meaning in 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 truth or, or reality right um and so uh i guess i guess we'll 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 sort of posit some ideas here and jessica why don't you go in since i i don't know if i have anything to add. i feel like we should just dive into truth okay. and i know we're going to talk about like um limited hangouts and stuff alongside that. So I don't know, like what what's our inquiry here? What is truth? <laughs> yeah. So somebody I have a place to start on it, but just somebody Okay, else then you go. Yeah, you go. Okay. So I've been thinking about this stuff a lot. Um and I've and it is related to watching different people have disagreements, different people saying, you know, RFK can't be trusted or um uh so and so is a psyop and so and so is a psyop and um, the, the question comes down to like, because I feel like every one of us is in the washing machine, we are all, so the way Jake talked about it, he talked about white, what was it? White propaganda, gray propaganda and black propaganda. And all of those, when you talked about them, white, gray, and black, I'm just going to, at this point say, when I think about 
propaganda that you're referring to, that's stuff that has some direct connection to the state and this, there's an intent behind it. The, so that, that it's that element of propaganda. But we also know we are all consumers and influenced by white, gray, and black propaganda of some sort. So I become myself, even if I'm not in the pay of CIA or pay of FBI, I myself become a a a, a, propag a propagator of the black propaganda or gray propaganda or white propaganda in one way, shape, or form. I can't imagine that I cannot I cannot escape that because I live in that society. And so in some way, shape, or form, there's I'm going to play that role. But do I consider myself a psyop? I consider myself influ influenced by it, but I, don't, I myself am not a psyop. I'm not, I'm not a, a, a person who's in the state with the intent of reinforcing the state, even if some of my actions did, like when I did six or seven years ago, thinking that building a reform caucus in my union was going to be a way of trying to, I was thinking I was fighting for workers' power, but that wasn't going to, that was not going to do it. I actually believe that that kind of thing at this point re reinforces the, the problems, even if I don't consider it that way. Um, so it's in a sense, I was caught in a lie, but I, I was not a state actor. And that matters to me. The state actors and the people who are who are actually in some way, shape or form directly act, acting on the behest of this at the behest of the state is one set of people. But those of us trying to fight the state and take the state down and make a revolution. Well, we can still be subjects to, to we are we are always subjects to those lies. So what do we do? Um. Well, the first the first thing that comes down for me is not actually like I trust Jake and I trust Jessica and I trust Eduardo and I trust Kenny. I trust Brandy. I trust there's people here who I trust, who I know. And for me, when I think about truth, I don't think about truth as something that exists within me. I I want to fight the state. And I can the one truth I can say is that the state is lying to me. And that the corporations and the and the ruling class is lying to me. Whatever they're telling me is being told to me to harm me. So how I'm going to find the truth? Okay, do your best. But I don't believe that I find it. I believe that we, we as those people fighting that, come to it. And that the only thing I really believe in building is not finding the truth, but building, building uh, networks of trust. And building networks of trust is not like... Is something that happens in time. It happens through actions, through people seeing what other people do, like whether they actually do what they say. And that to me is when I think about what we're trying to build and when I think about the truth we're trying to find, it is not an idea. It's people and it's connections and it's and it's connections built in time and it's connections re reaffirmed through people's own activities and actions. So that I don't have to have Jessica say everything that's true or, or Jake say everything that's true. All I have to know is that there is in time because of how I see them and how I've perceived them and what I see them do and what we may do together in the future. I know that they're on the same, they're fighting the same battle as I'm fighting. We all are dealing with a, a combination of half truths and, and, and the a degree to which lies have in, sort of integrated themselves into us, into our own minds. But the truth is not something is an idea in my mind, the truth is our connection to each other and our desire to fight for our own liberation against an oppressive state, ruling class, capitalist class. That to me is where our truth is. Truth doesn't exist as an idea. It exists as an action of solidarity in taking down an existing state. Did I, I, 
for a minute before I respond, but I just one thing that just popped into my mind is just that term like networks of trust and like isn't it telling that you know the spooky they um like that's often has been like their stated goal like wasn't that like the world economic forums like theme for the year or last year or something was like literally trust um so yeah but I have to think more about whether I agree with that definition of truth so Jay Gray can you can go I mean, I can, I can share how I, like, at least, you know, my sense of truth, <laughs> it's a process, you know, it's, uh, you know, similar, you know, like, that's what I think the process of revolution is important, you know, how you do it, how, you know, like, if it's democratic, you know, what shape it takes, what ideas get, you know, value as, as, as a group. Um, and, but at the same time, you know, that, that is important, but. I have my obligation to explore my, what I think is true. And, and to me, that comes through experience. You know, like I didn't, I wasn't born just mistrusting the state right away. <laughs> you know, I was actually indoctrinated like everyone else to, you know, uh, the, through the national anthem, through the pledge to the flag, all that bullshit, you know, and, and it's taken experience, right? And inquisition and, and honesty, to, you know, to, in, 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 in being completely wrong, <laughs> you know, like, to, to to come to this synthesis of where I'm at right now, you know, and, you know, like, um, obviously I've been wrong in the past in terms of, you know, where I've been uh, ideologically, you know, politically, whatever. Um, but, you know, I, it, it, for me, like, I think I'm a lucky person, you know, like I, I was born in a not very normal society, like community. I wasn't normalized through the same channels that everyone else did, you know, so I've been able to question certain things, you know, beyond like what I'm supposed to do just because everyone else is doing it. And I'm also just stubborn, you know, that's like kind of my own, like, I guess maybe gift or I was born with that, you know, of like, I have to know why <laughs> I just have to know why. You know, I, and, and, and the more I, I gain experience, you know, and the more I realize that, you know, how little I know and how much I thought I knew everything, you know, the more I realize I have to question and I have to ask more why, you know, and, and I just don't have to go along with it, you know, and, you know, like, and, and for example, yes, I consider myself a Marxist, you know, like, or a Marxian, you know, like, to use Jeff's term, influenced by Marx, but... You know, and like I, I feel like it does explain a lot of the world or how capitalism works and the mechanisms. Uh, you know, I I don't have an answer how to build that future society, but there has been people who claim to be Marxists that have that answer, you know, how to build that future society and they impose it on people, right? And so they grab these ideas and then they become what Tom Robertson maybe was hinting at, you know. Um, and so... But again, to me, it's a combination, right? Like there is my individual, you know, responsibility to find out um, as to what I think is true, what my values are, and share them and be honest about them, because that is going to be a piece in the puzzle, you know, of, of assembling that that big idea that is collective, and hopefully it's it's for the better, you know. But if it is wrong and if it's not okay, it's also my obligation to speak up and say it's not right, you know, like. And I think that's regardless of whatever political system, you know, people claim to, you know, to advance and champion. And, and so, 
yeah, I mean, that, that is how my process, I think, works until now. That's how we evolved with my ideas. That's what I hope to evolve in the future, you know, to keep being that stubborn person. And, you know, I think I've been, pro I've programmed, I've been programmed to this point, you know, of just asking a goddamn question. And, you know, because if it doesn't make sense, then I, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> what? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I don't have anything big. No, I, I was just thinking like one uh, turn of phrase that I have tried to use. And I, I feel like I've heard a few people use this. Um, I don't know who to like attribute it to, but um, just over the past couple of years, like instead of saying, oh, like such and such is true, instead saying what I know to be true. Mm -hmm. um, which is like, yeah, it's kind of semantics, but I do think it's kind of reflective of the type of mindset that uh, we're kind of dancing around here just in terms of like, you don't know until you know, right? Like, and just the, I mean, I don't know how to navigate all of this propaganda. Like all, all of us are learning, right? Like that's part of what we do on the show is just try to kind of like work through these things together and hopefully make progress. And then also in, in terms of, um, you know, Andy's networks of trust and building relationships and, and that kind of thing, right? Like, yeah, I mean, what do we do? Like, listen to all different perspectives, especially perspectives that, you know, you oppose um, or think you oppose. Uh, question everything, right? Especially that which you ostensibly agree with, like, most of all. Like, I always emphasize that um, when I'm teaching argument like when I'm teaching writing classes um of like no like the the most amount of scrutiny that you should apply right is for the sources that you're using to back up your own apart your, your own um argument or opinion um but I don't know like I'm struggling I guess like I I agree with what Andy said earlier about um truth kind of being a like a process and um not something that like something that you just like have or don't or like encounter or don't it's like something that you actually have to create in relationship with other people or co-create um and I like I agree with that but I I feel like there's it's not like the whole story so I, I don't know I'm maybe by the end of this episode I'll figure out a way to articulate but I I think there's something um I think it's something to do with like sovereignty um, I mean, that's another word that's come up a lot in like freedom groups and just the whole like anti-COVID space the past couple of years. Um, but I think there's something there, like both on a personal and on a collective level in terms of undertaking uh, a, a, like the process of taking sovereignty over your own life. Um and I think like, obviously, you know, we're conditioned in terms of propaganda and stuff on an informational level, like in terms of critical thinking, like we're all just bullied, you know, without any consent into um, outsourcing our uh, intelligence, right? And like information, right? Experts, blah, 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 peer review, all of that. Um but we outsource everything. Like, it's not just the information aspect. Like, we outsource our health. We outsource our relationships. We outsource, in some respects, like, our labor. Like, everything, right? Um, 
And so I think there's something for me like about truth or like the idea of truth that is inherent in one respect. Like it is something that's like that you have like just uh, by nature of being human, by nature of being like connected to nature, like nature is true, right? Like the whole, um, you know, uh, was it Keats? I should know. Uh, beauty is truth and truth beauty. Um, which I don't know. I mean, I guess it gets a little spiritual in that respect, but, um, also on a practical level, like just the, like the instincts that people have and how like terrible are most of our population's instincts are. Um, and I heard a term recently, uh, instinct injury that came up in one of, um, one of the women's circles that I'm in. And I think it came from sister Morningstar. Don't quote me on that. Um, but just this idea that, um, like our instincts throughout our lives for most of us, especially in the Western world, like are repeatedly injured. And I thought it was kind of a, kind of an interesting concept um, because I think it, it works on multiple levels. Like it works in terms of the critical thinking and information level, but also in so many other respects. Um, and like, it could be, could be like because of propaganda that it's injured or it could be because of trauma. It could be like a whole host of different things. Um, but I guess that's kind of how I see that process of taking sovereignty back is kind of um, healing that like so-called injury to one's natural instincts. Because I actually am not like, I'm not as dark as like that Tom Robbins passage kind of sounds. Like I actually do think there's <laughs> like good at the base of, of humanity. And I think there's truth um, there, but yeah, like we're all just so out of touch with like what it is to be human and thus out of touch with truth, like whether it's a thing or an idea or a process or an action. All right. I'm just rambling. So Jake, please, <laughs> please jump in. No, that did make sense. So I, I think it's good. So go ahead, Jake. Okay, so a couple things here. Um, so, so two things that I want to try to talk about separately and together at the same time. Um, but I need to sort of separate them first in order to synthesize them. So, so you, two things that I, we've sort of concepts that we're sort of dancing around here. One is truth and the other is trust. Okay, and Andy, you sort of said that for, for you truth emerges through the process of trust right or you know which i which means through the process of relationships right uh, authentic relationships with people that you right can trust right because obviously you can have relationships with people that you might not trust so much um so first i would first i need to say that so i i you know, I believe the truth is right, something that is objective, right? And it's something that's objective and transcendent beyond outside of whether or not I whether or not I arrive at it through a relationship with someone that I trust. Okay. And, and that process could be a path towards right discovering the truth that's already exists, right? But you know, I mean, I think basic tools like you know the three laws of logic law of identity non-contradiction tautology right like for in, ter in terms of just sifting through data to come to conclusions right like these these three tools right um 
should should basically be our compass or our, our litmus test. Now, I can know something to be true based on those laws, right? A better way to say that is, right, um, I can know what's not true based on those laws. If that, if that, I think that's a more accurate statement. And what I mean by that is, right, if I can find a contradiction, I can know that that's not, that that's, that's incorrect. However, it's been, right, however I have analyzed it, if it's contradictory, that that is not a valid conclusion. All right. So we, so I can objectively determine what is not true. Right. And then from there, right, we could narrow down things that are at least plausible and then and most likely. But if I can, my ability to do that on my own doesn't mean that I can communicate it with other people, right? Even even by using right laws of non-contradiction, right, right non-contradictory data, or I could show point out a contradiction, right? If somebody else has an emotional attachment to that idea, Jessica, you kind of alluded to right this. Uh, this oil situation, right? These essential oils where it was like somebody point gave you the data. They gave it to you in a way which it sounds like was convincing because you're convinced at this point. But at the time, right, you had some, it sounds like emotional or other, right, psychological attachment to, to it, right? Where you, you, the data, it's the same data now as it was then, but at that time, right, you didn't want to, you didn't want to go with it, right? So in other words, right, my ability or that person's ability to demonstrate the truth of something does not does not guarantee the ability to communicate it. And this is where, Andy, you know, I, I can agree with what you're saying about sort of the 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 relationship between trust and truth and in terms of truth becoming manifest in society in a way where, right, uh, lies are not the the dominant culture, right? Where lies are not what steers, you know, all these society at large, or to use that model, all the different little echo chamber identity groups that that are all right bouncing off of each other, right? And so, if the goal here is to right um, transform the trajectory we're on, right? This great reset, this this right, this careening towards this totalitarian technocracy, right? If it's not enough for me to know the truth or for any number of individuals to be able to definitively or, or at least right, clearly enough know the truth. You have to be able to communicate it with other people in a way where you can develop the solidarity and the trust that you're talking about where, right, you can all collectively, right, uh, you know, civilly disobey the mandates, just as one example, right? Um and the key here, though, it's not just to be able to communicate it within those different identity groups that, right? I sort of mapped out in the in the flow chart, or the or or the you know Aquino sort of uh, lays out in his mind more, right? Because as, as long as you're in that echo chamber, then right, then you then we then we still have competing echo chambers, right? Rather than just competing individuals, so. And then those groups, as we, right, as in the previous episode we discussed, right, can be steered and, and sort of uh, um, divided and, and escalated into conflicts to, to sort of, you know, synthesize the next step in the process. So, so really, right, the, what is important, most important is the, A, the ability to know at least definitively what is not true, to be able to, right, narrow down what is potentially true. And not have and, and not have a um, 
not overstate the case, not believe in something more than you have the evidence to prove, right? That That is its own thing. That's just sort of the epistemological level, right? Then there is basically the level of relationship, right? Uh, and, and at that point, that's where we need to be able to communicate it across those lines of those various identity groups, okay? And in, in that, right, is where you know, you might say that you create, we create sort of a, uh, what coalesces is, you know, to, to, as a Marxist, you would call it like class consciousness, right? Now, you know, I mean, you know, my, my dear friend, Charlotte, you know, who's, who's no longer with us, right? Uh, you know, was not in the same class as me economically, right? Right? I mean, you know, uh, you know, her, her, her folks were, you know, the order of skull and bones and, <laughs> You know, uh, you know what I mean. Was was in the was worked for the uh, Reagan administration, Department of Education, Department of State. You know, uh, you know, pretty wealthy. Okay, like, but I never felt like we were in different classes, right? Like, because what we shared was our perspective on, right? Uh, you know, this <laughs> resisting this great parent, this great paradigm, this great this great reset, right? And so. But I still think that's sort of a class consciousness. It's basically it's it is it is a, a consciousness of relationships with people who don't want to live in that totalitarian society, right? And I think that might you know span more than just what would be traditionally understood in Marxism as the working class, right? Um, you know, maybe we might just call it like the moral class or something like that, right? But the idea here is that. Right. We need to be able to communicate across those those lines. And I think once once that happens, uh, I don't I, I think that th I think that sort of. That's it, it. It takes on a life of its own. Right. Like, I don't you know, I mean, just, you know, I know you do a lot of organizing and, you know, I haven't been to workers and students for choice in a long time. Uh, but like I, I see that and, you know, sort of some of the other, you know, like some of the socialist groups you're with, like, like that type of organizing, I think is a different type of organizing than what I'm sort of alluding to here, which is where, right. We just, by, by finding ways to communicate across these, you know, artificial echo chambers that this class consciousness emerges and that through these relationships, then whatever action happens next, right. Like, you know, if, you don't really need to organize a group if everybody in your neighborhood agrees that mandates are no good, right? Everybody just walks in the store and says, nah, you know what I mean? And when everybody walks in the store together, you know, I mean, there's not a whole lot that can be done. And so I think, I think there's, you know, practically then the discussion, could, we, we could get some headway in the discussion in terms of trying to think about what are the, what is it that prevents people from communicating across those echo chambers and and what what are some practical things we can do to not just try to communicate with the other side but to be aware of our blind spots um and whatever other presuppositions or emotional sort of hang-ups we have about the presuppositions that we carry when we try to communicate. And, and I think if we could maybe hash out, hash that out, that um, some, something useful might emerge from that. Um, 
Well, yeah, for me, first off, I know I started this conversation into the truth thing, but do understand that for me, this is a work in progress. So one of the things that's even changed in my, as I'm, as I've listened to Jessica and Kenny and Jake, it's helped hearing you is Kenny and Jessica introduced this term of sovereignty that I didn't mention when I talked about truth, but actually I think it's fundamental. The issue of freedom is fundamental to the notion of truth because for me, what we're taught, look, there's how I truly feel or things like that, which are important. But this discussion of truth for me is intimately connected to the fight for liberation because I believe we are, we live in a, we don't just live in a sea of lies. We live in a prison and the, and the notion of a prison is connected to the lies. So the, the they're constructed ideal. We live in the ideology, uh, in, in an intellectual sphere of lies because we are actually in a physical prison and that, and those things are, that's, that it's both the idea of it and the actual living in it are connected. So for me, truth is truth. When we talking as we're speaking of it here, is intimately connected to the to liberation, to the idea of all of us becoming free. Now, Charlotte Iserby, <laughs> let's talk about her for a second because she she is from that other group that I believe is those oppressors. But I would call her a class traitor. I would say she was a traitor to the prison to the prison that was being constructed by Reagan and them when she, once she became a whistleblower on Project Best. And once and what she becomes even more a likely a person I might listen to as opposed to not trust is because of my relationship with Jake and what I've come to know of him. And even though I'm a communist and I believe the working class is the thing, the working class must be connected in a particular way and through trust and blah, 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 and that it needs to take down capitalism and Jake doesn't believe that. I do believe that Jake hates the system and hates the state as much, if not more than me. And I believe he would be just as interested in taking it down. I just think I have a particular idea about how that goes. And I think he has a particular idea about how that, how that goes. And I think we're only going to realize what's true when all of us, that includes people far to the right of Jake and maybe even far to the left of me, come to some common understanding, not just of what it is in our head, but in reality, I actually believe that truth is an act before it's a belief. And that the true thing that is done is people refuse to do the mandates, like the, the community that, um, no, we're going to the store, we're, do, we're doing whatever, we're going to our work, we're doing work. That is the truth. That's freedom in action. And then out of that, to me, comes the idea of like, okay, what do we believe? What, what, what does this mean for us? What is liberty? What, what is human? But I don't, I don't think we can find any of those things in this sea of lies we live in and in this prison we are actually imprisoned in. So it does that. I don't want to become powerless to the point of what well, we're stuck in this prison. So I, I look at truth as the act of liberation. And that's why to me, it's never, and my issue with people who say, well, that I don't agree with that person. They got to go. I don't agree with that person. They got to go. Is it makes it seem as if truth is embodied in a single person or it's in, embodied in an individual text. I think socialists had a tendency to look at it as Lenin. Um, and I, I love the writings of Lenin. Even Marx, I've, I've really appreciated some of the writings of Marx, but we've made that mistake of putting that into a single text or a single individual. And I, I'm, I, don't, I don't buy that anymore. You know, and many people make a big issue of like Lenin's April thesis about revolution coming to Russia without talking about the fact that there were thousands of workers who had already come to that idea. And Lenin just said was the guy who not, it was not a small thing to what he did, but what is left out is the fact that when he spoke of we need to make a revolution here in Russia, 
They were workers in the factory of the metalwork factories in the Viborg district who had already come to that conclusion and had already started to move away from the, the Bolshevik party that was thinking that's not the way it's supposed to go until Lenin turned it that way. So when Lenin turns it that way, all these workers over here were like, yeah, fuck yeah, that's what we were thinking all along. Then they, they become activated, not because Lenin said, but they'd already believed that. They had, that was their own actions coming into it. I don't want to get too much into the Russian revolution, but that's what I mean is, is that, that it, 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 it is, there's truth is not embodied and to be found in any one person. It is, to me, it is found in the act, collective act of liberation. And I will listen to any oppressed person from right, well, I hope this is my values, whether I do it or not, we'll see. I am open to listening to any oppressed person, the people on this side of the class line generally, who even if they really disagree with what I'm saying, or I really disagree, with, I, I'm open to listening to them, but I'm not gonna talk to, to Joe Biden. I, I, I'm not gonna talk to some board of supervisors person. I don't wanna talk to them. I don't. I'll talk to Charlotte Iserby because Jake said she's a class traitor. He didn't say it, but that's that's essentially what he's saying. And I'm like, yeah, let's talk to her because that's a woman who can be listened to. And she actually knows some of what those fuckers are doing, you know? So that's what I mean when I say I'm open. I'm open to talking to about any oppressed, to any oppressed person anywhere on the theme. That is, that's the, what I hope to project. And that's what I think we need to do. But there will be people I don't want to listen to because I feel like they are part of, they're part of the David Copperfield class of trying to make me think up is down and blue is green. So I'm not going to listen to them because all they're trying to do is throw sand in my eyes. As opposed to a person who's on the right, who is also trying to make their way, but just has a different truth, you know? So that's what I mean. Kind of makes me think of like, I mean, I guess this is like the lib, like the participatory truth and the participatory liberation in a way, like it's just a better manifestation of like the darker side of that, where like propaganda and psyops only especially in contemporary times, like they only really work if they are participatory, like with all of the COVID stuff, right? Um, like if it was just the white, wait, I'm now mixing them up. If it's just the white propaganda, right? Like it's so much easier to, to see through and um, dismiss. And like, again, like if you have even just semi like strong, healthy instincts, right? Like even most people would be able to see through that. But when it gets mixed up and it's, um, it's just so like, it's, it was especially the COVID stuff. Like it was just so participatory, you know, um, everybody became police, everybody became spies, everybody <laughs> became class traders, not everybody, but that's what it felt like. Um, yeah, and I, I was going to ask too, because I know controlled opposition came up like at the end of the last episode and, and then you brought it up again, I think at the beginning of this one, Andy. Um, so I was thinking as you were talking a little bit about that term as well and how like, like we all have our blind spots, I think. Um, so in a way, like, I don't know, are we all controlled opposition? I think maybe. I don't know. What do you guys think about that term? I kind of do think that, but I, that's my first go. It's, we're all, we are all levels. That's, I kind of. I mean, I'm not saying that like somebody who's overtly being, you know, um, who has like really bad motives or whatever, or their, um, whether it's like funding or power or whatever should like be listened to and that like everyone's on an equal plane. But I 
I do think in some sense, like we're all, we're all limited hangouts. Like even the show, I don't know. Well, I, I would, I mean, the term implies, as Andy sort of pointed out, like intentionally, in, intentional mis or disinformation artists. Right. Uh, and maybe a better uh, term is we're all useful idiots at some point <laughs> in some way. Right. Okay. I can live off. with that. And that's sort of what I laid out in the previous episode. And that's sort of what I tried to show in the in the uh, in the flow chart is that it, which is the intention of, you know, what Aquino lays out in mind. Mind war is that. Right. Every possible. Every possible method of resistance can in some way be co-opted and steered I, it kind of reminds me I, I just thought of this off the top of my head. hopefully this isn't a bad analogy but if, if, if you've ever seen the matrix the second the second one and you remember the architect he's that computer head which by the way is a gnostic term for the it refers to the demiurge but i don't know the whole thing about gnosticism but that's what it is it's but but he's sit like so. So Neo's in there, and he's gonna stop. He's he's gonna. I forget what the mission is. He's got to either stop stop them from doing something or save uh, Trinity, right? And when he goes and he gets in that room with the architect, who's like the super brain of the whole Matrix computer, and he can like he shows him all these screens, and each screen is like every all the different ways that he tried that neo tried to subvert the system right and in every, in each one of them he always has this this sort of this dilemma where you can either you can either shut down the matrix or you can save you can save save the girl and it's sort of like i mean like you know for to use as a cheesy analogy i mean like that's i think the level especially with you know when the amount of predictive analytics that they are that they have in our building tours is that Right. If we can categorize it and we can get and we can data mine the, the people in, that we can put in the category, then right, we have at least several options of how to take any authentic quest to discover truth or to re, or to resist and, and we can steer it. And right, we can even if it's just a, a just a bit of a nudge, right? And to that extent, I mean, you know, uh I guess you're, you know, we're all right. We're all sort of like this, which means you're going to bump into a wall here and there, right? It's kind of the idea of like getting in the ring. Like if you think you're going to get in the ring and not get hit, I mean, sometimes it happens. You know, sometimes you might knock the guy out, you know, early on or whatever. But if the fight goes any amount of time, even with vast differences in skills, like you know, you're probably going to get touched right you're probably going to get eat at least one punch i mean and so it's just sort of the nature of you know what what is what is you know psychological operations and and effectively counterintelligence yeah i mean because my mind is um you know was to you know like the enemy of one of the biggest enemies of truth you know the collective truth or you know, like it's censorship, you know, I think we've talked about it, you know, and that was understood right under Lenin, right? When there was debate and you have to have debate, you have to have open conversation, you have to have, you know, hash those things out. And, you know, I think that's like the, 
the scariest thing and that's why i um i tend to be more afraid you know i i understand you know like there's opposite opposite sides right in but they're all working towards the same end and but i am more afraid of those who don't find a problem with you know censoring people just because that automatically is a massive hammer you know in the hands of whoever wields power um you know whether it's this state or Stalin state, you know, um, and so, and then I, that that connects to like the question that was posed here, you know, in terms of how do we cross those lines, right, to those other echo chambers, um, because uh, you know, in the the process of coming to a truth is is a long, it's you know, especially when you have to debate and all these things. But I think there are some fundamental things just like that, like opposing censorship, you know, that, that because that, that in itself, it, 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 if censorship is not opposed, then it immediately cuts the legs of, you know, the process of, you know, making connections and, and, and that will yield some positive result, you know, collective result. And so, you know, but that, that's, that's, I guess, my, where my head goes, because, you know, I have so many people that haven't, you know, that are good, have, you know, a lot of great values that care about humans, but they don't see a problem with just canceling people, censoring people, you know, shutting them out just because they have feelings about it. You know, and, and like we know, we, you know, those feelings can be manipulated through the, the stuff that we consume. And, um, and so, you know, like, and so I guess for me, I, I was cheating on the previous episode. I was talking about how, like, I, I was thinking about it too. And it's like, some, sometimes I do force myself to listen to people that produce a feeling on me. Because sometimes I, I, I know that my feelings have been, you know, tampered with, right? Like, they, they've been injured, like, uh, you know, Jessica said. That, you know, that... You know, I, I I do have to I I trust myself more and more the more experience I get, the more I discover things that I I know weren't true. In my search for truth, right? Like it's a constant thing. It's not like an absolute one thing, you know. And and I can't pretend that I possess I alone possess it, you know, because then I will be that dictator eventually, you know. And but I, again, I I don't know if that makes sense, but that's where my mind is at, you know. And and I think that is supremely important, you know, to, to fight against, um, because, because for example, in this, in ours, uh, the four of us here, you know, at some point I, I had doubts, you know, when Jake came into the room and I was like, is, is he a right winger? You know, like, <laughs> I was, no, that was, you know, that like, is he a Christian right winger? You know, like th that's what my mind was on, but like, I was programmed, you know, like I was programmed into that, but like the trust, the process of talking to you and actually like, sticking with it because at times it was hard to understand you jake and like it's hard for some people to understand but now like when i stuck with it now i understand what you're saying <laughs> you know like it, it, and so but if i had canceled you censor you then you know i would have lost that piece of the puzzle i totally agree and i think in a way like that <laughs> censorship thing of like convincing people that it's somehow like not a violation of free speech to shut down conversations that threaten public health and according to so-and-so or, you know, whatever examples or threaten democracy. 
um, to convince people that that is fine and not fascist is like the ultimate propaganda success. Right. And I, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to do about that. Like that, those groups of people, because at that point it's like, well, if you can't have a conversation, like where are you, where do you go from there? I don't know. What do you think, Andy? Well, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think, let me come back. I hope I come back to that question. What do you do about that? Um, but I mean, first off, I had the same, perhaps to a lesser degree, I had the same sort of initial doubts when I first started talking to Jake, you know, like, oh, that's, it's this different. You know, what, what's that over there? You know, but I also knew I had, I was, I was drawn to it because I knew it was like, he, he knew something about a whole area of the, of, of the world of information, mostly coming, I would say from the right, even though Jane doesn't, I mean, Jake doesn't claim right. And I, I, you shouldn't, he doesn't have to, I claim left, you know? And so anybody to the left of me was right. Or I don't want to, but any, but he was kind of over there and I, I had my initial like suspicions or even kind of hesitation that was built in. But in addition to that, there were people around me who I, who I know and have known who said, are you sure you should be talking to that guy? Or they said, they said, are you sure there are other people who said, are you sure you should be talking to Allison? And there were other people who said, are you sure you should be talking to that Catholic teacher who seems far right, you know, or are you sure you should be, who was the other person? Well, those are the, those are the, some of the first three that came off. Probably me. The Trump voters. Oh yeah, Trump voters. But I, I do want to talk about Jessica and Kenny and Eduardo. No one ever questioned me about talking to Eduardo and talking to Jessica or talking to Kenny because the only people they were concerned about me talking about are people who appeared, maybe they had influence, maybe they had, but if they didn't have influence, why are you, the question was, why are you talking to them? Like, who are they? That would be Kenny. That would be Eduardo and Jessica. And that would almost be me in some ways. It's like, we don't matter because we don't have some sort of like, thing we don't have like a thing we're known for a book or a website or blah 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 and i'm not putting that against you jake i think it's to your credit i'm just saying this is the way others often saw it is like you're either why are you talking to that person because they might be trying to steer you somewhere or why are you talking to those people do they really matter like they can't they don't have any power you know those are the two ways that this conversation goes and i think they're both wrong like for me it's it's the people without power that are the most important people to talk to first off and secondly, that, like, thank God I didn't listen to the people who kind of were trying to steer me and say, are you sure you want to do that? Talk to Jake or Allison or anyone. And who tried to kind of can get me into think that maybe they were part of a controlled opposite. They didn't put these, these words, but controlled opposition or limited hangout or part of a psyop, if you will. And um, I just think that is what censorship, when we embrace it, is the act of, of accepting our isolation. It's accepting the fact that we are going to be separated from each other for in all sorts of ways. And so I'm just glad we came up, we're talking about that now because the, the movement has absorbed censorship as a medium in, a, in many, many ways that I don't think we're aware of, particularly when we say, you gotta go, you gotta go, don't listen to him, don't talk to that person. That's what I believe. And I do think you got to talk to that person. You you don't have to agree to that person, but I do think you got to talk with that person. So that's what I would say. 
Yeah. And I think people's ideologies and worldviews are so unbelievably weak right now that it's like, it's almost like the same like fear of contagion from a health perspective with ideas. It's like, they're terrified that you might like catch a a right-wing idea or something. Like I have to put on my syllabi every time for every class almost, I have to put a clause. Um, Well, I feel I have to put this clause just to protect myself that like reading a text or assigning a text does not equate to an endorsement of everything in that text. And this is like difficult for a lot of students to grasp because they think like, oh, you're making me read this thing. Like, like I made my gender studies students read like the JK Rowling essay, you know, cause it was like hot topic at the time. And it was like, oh, but like, she's a transphobe. So like, you know, and it's like, that's, you can still read it. Like, is your ideology that weak that you can't defend yourself? Well, then we have a different problem. Um, and I feel like it's the same with people. Like talking to someone is not an endorsement of everything they say. Like you're just having a conversation. I, I just want to comment. I don't know, Jake. You also haven't said it. Do you want to respond? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, go ahead. Just, just about that. You know, like I think there's another element there for me. You know, because like, like I'm I'm the one here who didn't finish college. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so. There is a level, like, obviously we're, at least that's how I think about it. Like, we're normalized, right, in, in how to expect knowledge and learning, right, in school. And so authority is given to the professor, to the teacher, right? And, and, and so we're supposed to default, and they are, you know, they're going to give us something, you know, like, in terms of, like, fill us up. And, and, and so that's something that has changed, and I absolutely have gained um like a very high degree of confidence, you know, just to stand in a room. Like it doesn't fuck. I don't give a fuck that you have college degrees. <laughs> you know, I care about what you, what you, what you have to say and if it makes sense, you know, like, it, it, and so I don't care, like, if, you know, if you're being validated by an institution or not. And if anything, I've learned to question those people more because, you know, they tend to have more blind spots and because they believe in their own authority, you know, they're not going to be willing to listen to someone who's not educated. You know, like my mother, who's, who said from day one, I don't fucking believe this COVID bullshit came from a fucking bat. You know, and it, you know, and like my, from day one, you know, it, it, but she, no one would believe her, right? She's an educated. Long story, I just wanted to comment on that because I think that's also an important thing that, that I want to encourage and empower people to do is like, no, like they have a piece, they have a particular frame of analyzing things. You know, that's what you go to school for. Doesn't mean you have an absolute truth or absolute knowledge. You know, doesn't mean you're devoid of biases, you know, it, it, and that goes with anyone, especially the people, again, with authority and uniforms and, and things like that. And that's something that I learned, learned through experience as a kid, because I've seen so many people in these positions, you know, whether it be the religious, you know, um, the coercive apparatus, you know, politicians, all this stuff, you know, teachers, too, who are were completely wrong, you know, and, and so... You know, that's something that's going to have to go too. you know, you know, that these these like, uh, you know, bowing down to intellectual authority, you know, so-called experts, uh, you know, like, of course, you'll listen. But, you know, you know, that's that's what I, I, I am a proponent of. You have to be your own intellectual. You have to believe in that, you know, that you are it, you know, and like, um, you know, and 
in, in, in also in that like process, analyze as to why it is, you know, that you've been told that you're dumb, that your ideas don't matter, you know, where as someone else's ideas matter more, you know, and, and, and that's again why I believe I'm a, consider myself a communist, you know, not because of fucking Stalin or that shit that people have a sense of, it's because community, you know, like we have to hash it out. We determine our, 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 our futures, you know, and, and we have to find the truth together. You know, like we have to find what's true to, for us, you know, but everyone has to be individually honest, you know, and, 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 and be willing to listen and shape that process, you know. Uh, and, but that's, again, bringing it back to censorship. That's why that's so corrosive. You know, that's a, the biggest enemy of any sort of change for anybody, <laughs> you know, regardless of what ideological place you're at, you know, because that will be used against you. And that, that's the one thing I tell people, you know, like, I don't give a shit what side of it, you know, if you're supporting that, you are, you know, forging the hammer that is going to come on your head or someone that you know someday. Yeah, well, I mean, and, you know, the, part of the phenomenon of why people call for, you know, censorship of wrong thing from, from whichever angle, you know, various, you know, echo chamber groups are coming from is because, you know, to go back to that, that flow chart um so their data mining our behaviors online based on our identity categories but in particular what they're really looking at in terms of how the data comports with a given identity group is what makes you mad what makes you scared right i mean those are the two big ones right and those if you can make people and Aquino you discusses this right um Basically, those are the two strongest motivators, right? Um, and if you can make people angry and scared, you can spur them into action. And one of those actions can be, no, 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 don't, don't let that person talk, right? Because another, another part that's scary is, uh, you know, when, you're, when your paradigm, when your framework is challenged, right? Because, uh, and, you know, Andy, we, we, Andy and I have talked about this a lot you know when we're trying to figure out stuff that both of us admittedly don't really know what to make of it you know he'll say you know well I, you know from a marxist perspective this is how i look at it and i would say something like, well from a christian perspective this is how i look at it or you know analyzing it from the new world order framework this is how i look at it right and we've we've explicitly discussed this this meta level of our own conversations which is that we we have to use framework in order to organize the data to begin with. I mean, and that's how the sci in that flowchart. That's how the psyop begins. You have to have categories to put the data in before you can sort it out, and you have to sort it out before you can move it where you want to move it. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that your framework is necessarily right, right? But it does mean that right. If you don't have some sort of a priori categories to hang the data on. You just have, right, random data points with the patterns in there will not emerge in any obvious manner, right? So uh, we we all rely on, on you know, what we'll just call the, the framework, okay? Whether it's political or philosophical or religious or whatever it is. Um, and it's just, the, that's the nature of the mind, right? Like we, you can't think without it. You always have to come to any, any data set with some form of a, of a presuppositional or a priori category. Now, if 
if we're in the habit of not questioning that framework and then and then the presuppositions we have about the framework right because right so andy right you have a marxist framework right uh but right you've shifted in many ways right i mean like right you don't organize with the same people which means right like you still have the same framework but you have different suppositions about it right so for somebody else that's not willing to to look at the framework from that like to question the presuppositions the if somebody challenges it in a way where they're like pointing out some clear contradictions the natural response is fear or anger because what you're doing to the person is you're saying you can't have that. You can't use that framework. Well, now it's chaos. All the data that they thought, well, this goes here and this goes here. And then I order my life around it. All that stuff goes crazy. And then they're like, well, what do I do now? So, you know, instead of having to do the tough mental work of rethinking the framework and the presuppositions, right? You just get angry at the person, right? Because don't take that away. This is how I organize stuff. Right. And then what happens is, you know, don't let that person talk. Right. So, uh, I think that, you know, fundamentally, one of the one of maybe the practical strategies for approaching not just how to understand all the the, the sea of lies and and uh, and various forms of information, misinformation, and disinformation, but also to communicate across the echo chambers, is to not only be constantly and consciously willing to Right. Be aware of your framework, be aware of your presuppositions and, and be be flexible and like, OK, do I need to reconsider something about the framework or the presuppositions? And then when you're communicating to with people who challenge yours. Right. And who uh, or, or people who are very emotionally attached to their own. Right. To, and this gets back to what you know, Andy, you were saying about, you know, just this idea of liberty and sovereignty or what I might just call the golden rule, right? Allowing everybody's right to have the framework that they have to, to not prejudge the, the person's humanity based on their framework, to not be overly emotional, even if they get emotional, because you understand that they have, a, it's a sensitive topic to ask them to question their paradigm and, and being able to go through that process with the person, um, and just and, and that that's how that relationship and that and that trust is built is by right just acknowledging that right we all have those paradigms right and and that you know people will people will have emotional responses but if you don't escalate it with your own emotional response I mean that's one of the that might be an effective way for that person to to consider analyzing their own friend right because it's like they'll get if, if they have an emotional reaction to you but you're still calm and polite and civil and respectful to them right they might over time they'll be like okay well this you know this person's not forcing me to do anything right they're they're kind to me they still are you know they're still willing to talk to me maybe i should think about what that person said and maybe i shouldn't have this this fear or animosity of that person and then from that hopefully what emerges is Right. You know, Kenny, what you described in terms of how you kind of came around to uh, having the right wing Christian guy. Uh, that is me on the uh, on, your, on your podcast. Right. So. Yeah. Another thing I think along with that, which maybe gets us back to the truth thing is like whether people are consciously working within a framework or outside of it, whatever that would look like. 
I think a lot of people are thinking that most of the ideas that they have and the opinions and the decisions that they make are their own. And I think most of them aren't, right? And I think that it creates like this false attachment, right? Of like all of these things, which a lot of them are coming from propaganda or are coming from culture or 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 a framework even um and then they sort of become like attached to like what people think of as like yourself but it's really not it's like you know I mean even just practically like under capitalism like who has time to like figure out who they are right but then if you want to go deeper than that like I think uh, whether spiritually or physically or whatever like I don't think most people really like know who they are. Like they don't, they don't have a ton of original ideas. I'm, I'm, I'm saying they and you, but I mean, I'm speaking from my own experience. Like I feel like a lot of the stories that I had like about myself or like the, you know, the, the things that we're told that we need to be happy or to be healthy or um, about the government, whatever, like, most of it's not like actually our own, whether you want to say like truthful or just like, it's not, it doesn't really belong to you. Right. Um, yeah. Um, well, I think for me, like Jessica, you sort of started with that story of, uh, the person who told you some things about oils that you didn't, you know, cause that, what you were describing there, I feel like was what Jake was kind of talking about, about that, that sort of fear response, the challenge, and you needed your own time to kind of go through it. Cause I do think Jake, you're right about how it messes with people's heads. It's very frightening. I personally think it's also frightening to oppose a state, which is frightening itself. Like that, you know, like, and people know like in the, around the COVID narrative and things like that, they know that if they, if they buy into some of the, the oppositional views we have, Oh, I get to be as isolated as Brandy and Andy are. That's awesome. You know, I get to, <clears throat> you know, they, they, they know that. So, but put it, even that aside, I actually think Jake, you're speaking about another thing is people's, when their framework starts to collapse, is collapsed. That's a very frightening and a very unstable position for a person to be in. But Jessica, one of the things that I feel like has been so valuable to have you here and why I respect you so much, and I respect all of you here, but when I think about you, the episode you talked about veganism, you know, you are in enter into it and then you're kind of exit from it. And as not as if you went one way and just the other way, but as part of a like, I just feel like that's very natural. I feel like that's very normal. That to me seems human, like and and truthful and honest in terms of it was true of me here. It's still true of me there. But I'm but I went through a process and I just feel like there's something I really believe in that because I feel like I've gone through that myself. And like, you know, Kenny, you said. I remember you saying sometime in this in, in this episode, I was wrong. And I kind of thought to myself, well, when haven't I been wrong? Like I was every, every step along my way, I kept on being wrong. So where am I now? Like, am I right now? All I can say is I do feel more integrated personally, but I have a feeling my views are going to continue to change. I know that meeting Jake has meant that I don't believe in organized building the left any longer. I'm built, I believe in fighting for revolution. And I believe Jake will be part of that process. So I don't believe in building the left. I believe in fighting for revolution. I believe from Jessica, that's that, that story that kept sticking with me that challenged my belief was the story of the 14 
women you were organized you were organizing with in your yoga group. And I'm like, when I came to the notion of, well, which one of them gets sacrificed, if you will, has to kind of like get used up or get thrown aside in order for us to have a revolution. And I said, I don't think I, we can have, because if we have a revolution like that, then it's built on a lie and you can't build it on that kind of lie, you know? And, and that's in, that's in some ways a new view for me because I've read about revolutions where, the, you know, you had to crack a few eggs kind of thing. Um, I'm not a pacifist, but, and I do believe there is a liberatory aspect to some kind of violence. I think violence can be liberatory if we all understand what we're doing, you know? Um, and then when I think about Allison, like I definitely was more like working class, get the machines going. Let's, let's get, you know, let's get the tools of the, the means of production in the hands of workers. That has really, I have real questions about that as a result of some of the discussions we've had with Allison about much more feeling like whatever this revolutionary process is, feels more like, more like a return to some kind of indigenous, indigenous nature or state or of a way of existence. It doesn't mean you can't have buildings around and shit, but it, it, things are going to have to return to a kind of humanity that they have really gone away from that I did not find that like, there was the language of alienation in Marx, but I don't, and I still believe that alienation is a feature of capitalism that that's why we have to get rid of it um, because it separates us from ourselves as well as from each other. But that process to me feels different now as a result of a lot of our discussions with Allison. So all these things have slowly shipped things down and ship, and there's other changes. Um, I, I, I'm, I just don't believe in anything else. I believe that we change. And that's why I don't believe that truth is in one person, because I certainly don't contain it. And I'm not sure anybody else does. And I think everyone is like me. They were, they've, all, they've been wrong every time in the past. And it's all their wrong things that led them to the, a better thing that they're at. Um, so I don't know. That's, a, that's rambling myself. I mean, there's a couple of things like about being wrong, you know, like that, that is part of the process. And um, for me and, you know, it's whether like, again, you're willing to question that framework, like, you know, Jake said, you know, that, that that's because you can be wrong, but, you know, some people double down or, you know, and that is obviously not nothing productive. Um, but uh, I guess what I was thinking about is, uh, you know, in this process of searching for whatever, you know, the, our truth or a way to move forward, a way to create the world that we imagine, uh, or maybe <laughs> a fight in this world that we don't think is right, you know, what is happening, where we're heading. Like, it's, you know, um, you know, like, I think there's also where I'm at right now, you know, wrestling with, you know, like, so much, too much, so much information and getting lost in, in, in that, right? Because I think that, that in itself gets us from, at least from my own experience, some fundamental truth that I think it's in every human. It's like just being, you know, like existing. And, and, and I think that that's the thing that I, that I try to balance, right? Because like, it's exhausting to do this, right? Like, and it, it, it's exhausting to be isolated. It's exhausting to be honest, you know, with yourself it's exhausting to be honest with people you, you know you don't agree and so but but i think that that in itself can like you know just staying too long too much all the time in this you know it it, it gets it deviates you from your search you know 
and you know, I don't know if I'm making sense, but you know, it's like it's such a difficult thing because there is an authentic you, right? Like a, a you who's not anxious all the time, you know, a you who's doing what they want to do, you know, a you who, um, you know, just wants to exist in peace with the people you love. And so I guess that's the, that's the part of this process that I, I'm wrestling with, you know, of searching for truth while keeping myself, you know, because I still have a life to live, you know, and it's not just up to me. Um, and so I guess those are the questions that come up for me in terms, you know, of this conversation, because that is something that I don't have an answer to it, you know, that I wrestle with every day. Um, yeah. Well, that's, that's important to point out though, because, uh, I kind of, you know, uh, all those things are exhausting. And then what's also exhausting is, you know, I, I always try to, you know, knowing, what what I've laid out in terms of this my analysis of echo chambers and and you know uh, emotional attachments and you know psychological operations like you know I've been on probably as broad a spectrum of flavors of of podcasts and shows as you could come up with as far as right and left and new age and Christian and right and uh you know I am always being true to myself but i'm always trying to not just right like i don't sit here and, and, and preach the gospel every time i'm on a show that is right that, that does not have a christian foundation right because i have a message that i want to communicate right and i and i'm talking to somebody that doesn't have that framework and so i don't want my I don't want my message to get lost because, right, they're looking at my framework instead of my message, right? So on top, so it's like, so for me, it's this constant juggling of like, how do I say what I mean, be truthful, but how do I say it in a way where I don't want to alienate the other side, but how do I, right? And and that is, is mentally exhausting. And then trying to sift through all of the information that's constantly coming in new. And then it's not just that it's constantly new information, but then it's right. All this layers of right. How much of it is disinformation. Right. And so all that together now it's, you know, it's, we have to, we have to communicate. Right. And right. We do have to you know, avoid the narratives that they're pushing. So we do have to deconstruct the narratives. And so we do have to engage in these ways. But I often wonder that, you know, that is that just sort of a, a reactionary process that even your best efforts to engage in that dialectic necessarily moves it forward. And, and in other words, right, what you're saying is, right, you you find it valuable in in, in you know meaningful and important to to just unplug from it entirely right like to just like right like just to be a human right to just have like you know just to hang out with family and friends like to be out in nature be still right i mean right like have a have a have a uh you know a, a normal life right outside of this this whole you know paradigm that we're constantly wrestling with and i think you know this gets back to what andy's saying kind of about like you know, Andy, you say your your idea of a revolution is is moving towards an idea of sort of like a return to some indigenous state, which you know is sort of on the same spectrum, right? It's, it's like it's not to necessarily like 
you know, uh, which which I think you you probably would agree, especially like maybe a lot of the the lefties that you you don't communicate with as much anymore, or right these these people that they, well, if we just take over the state, then then we'll be in charge, and then, right like like it's not that type of thing. I think it's and this gets back to also what I was saying about when we make when you create the relationships across the echo chambers, right through just right. Regular stuff, right? Like, I mean, you know, obviously we want to be aware of this narrative, but like just having like a real like community, like, right, like knowing that like we're friends, right? You know, and if, you know, if it's ever, you know, uh, you know, supply chains run out or whatever, like, you know, I'll feed you, you'll feed me, and then we'll find a way to make it. And, you know, if we got to go homestead, we'll go homestead. Like, I, like to me, I think that's really the only viable option in some way, because as I as I laid out in the previous episode, uh, they want to stir up some kind of a conflict. And right. The, the, the more, you know, the more violent it can be, the more it can look like, you know, an insurrection is the term they like to use after January 6th. Right. They, they that that's momentum they can they can use. But right. Like what what. Kenny, you're sort of talking about and what Andy's sort of hinting at and what I'm kind of dancing around is that, right, just like finding ways to like have communities, like live our lives outside the system and just detach from it, that that thing potentially becomes, you know, not just a parallel structure, but right, I mean, I don't want to say parallel society, but just sort of like, you know, uh, uh, almost like an Amish 2.0 or right. Some sort of, right. We're, we're, we're not going to, if we fight, if we fight, then right. We're, we're engaging and reacting. If we just go do our own thing, then right. They don't have anything to grab onto at all. Right. And now, and now instead of we're having to react to what they're doing, they have to react to what we're doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, just to speak on that last point, I think that's often the danger. And it's often what happens with any sort of like alternative, like even the stupid analogy of the essential oils, like literally it's replicating antibiotics, like it's the same concept, right? And so, yeah, like, I think we always have to be cognizant of not just like, um, like my uh, Muay Thai kickboxing instructor always used to say like, respond, don't react, right? Um, so not just like having the same response, but opposite, like especially, you know, emotional reaction or, or from, you know, more of a societal, like whether it's a parallel society or whatnot. Um, so yeah. And, and I really liked how you put it, um, Kenny, a little bit earlier, just that, um, comment you made about like, there is like a you that's happy and healthy and not like anxious and exhausted and all of it right and I, I really like that um concept of like it, that exists like it's already in you so what like how can we alter the conditions both individually and collectively to bring that out like for ourselves and then for everybody um I think that's a really helpful framework um and then the only other thing I wanted to add just um in terms of uh, like communicating across uh, different mediums and, and, and obviously political philosophies and stuff is like, I think um, especially now, like we're in this culture of 
I mean, part of it's the celebrity culture, but I don't think it's even just that, um, just this like putting people on pedestals, like even in our personal lives, like our mentors and our friends and whatnot. Um, and I think that's part of the problem of like not being able to respect somebody and, you know, or even just glean like some, um, information or, you know, you maybe take on a little bit of their ideology because it, because it works for you or you, it, it, um, furthers like your relationship to the world or politics. Um, but without having to like 100% be behind them. And I think there's just a lot of that in our culture, like particularly in the, in the U S and the West in general of like, like hero worship and like, um, you know, and even like outside of like pop culture and politics, like I, I think of like, I had to do like, you know, a hero project in like the sixth grade or whatever, where you like pick your, you had to pick your American hero, right. And like, write about why they were so great. And I mean, it's wonderful to have, you know, to know people throughout history that you respect and, and, and you can see how they furthered freedom or, or whatever, right. Value. Um, and then obviously in your life, but I don't think like the idea of putting people on, on pedestals is ever helpful. Like, yes, have mentors, have teachers, um, like take whatever is helpful from anyone. But, um, I think that's, that's a big part of the problem as well. Um, yeah, that was not a good note to end on. Someone say something more. uh, No, (laughs) I actually think it is. I think it is because um, uh, first, because I, I I disagree with that notion of pedestal versus connection. Those are very different things. Um, and no one here, like what I really value, I, I was tired from work today. And, you know, I was just like, oh, God, what's left? And I don't know if what I have to say. And I thought about it. But honestly, this conversation has really, I have a lot. I mean, part of it is I had some Coke in this thing. So like not like. Coca-Cola. So it has <laughs> caffeine. So I know that helps. But um, but this conversation has really um, just kind of given me energy um, because it has been sort of exciting and freewheeling and it's shifted. There's been shifting ideas for me. And I know, Jessica, you triggered me with Tom Robbins and, you know, like, and I was some different passages because I think (laughs) I was able to work through that, you know, um, but 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 it was just I don't know. I just really value this. We have this, you know, because this that's what this is about is but not just in boxes, ultimately in physical space, (laughs) you know, but this is. This is the kind of thing I do believe in, and it's nice to experience it so that I, we, and I think what we're doing is we're just sharing this with others because the people who listen to us don't necessarily agree with Jake, Andy, Jessica, or Kenny, but are going to be like, they're going to figure out, I think what we hope is they figure out where they fit within this discussion and how do they take this discussion and take it into their community. And we just see, because, but I do believe it's people's ideas that are going to liberate us, not whoever those fuckers are who created that thing that jake showed us in the beginning you know like those people have nothing to do with this um or they they should not have anything to do with it because they're not about liberating anything um so i'm I'm just glad i'm able to talk with you all and i miss eduardo but it's just great to be able to have this space okay one tiny one more thing that i thought um just it was mentioned in the robins actually but sense of humor i think that's also just 
worth bringing up. Like it's always kind of like a side note or like, yeah, don't take yourself so seriously. But I think it's actually integral to all of this. And um, yeah, I think we've lost that like as a collective and need to find ways to get it back. Yeah, I think that's a useful emotion that can be substituted for fear and anger when someone points out contradictions and you're right. You're like, oh, you're right. That is pretty, it's kind of silly, isn't it? Okay, you know. Um, so, yeah. Uh, oh, and one other thing is that um, I think, I hope something, as Andy pointed out, that, uh, you know, various people in the audience are not going to agree with person x y or z but i think and they'll they'll find where they you know sort of fit in the in the milieu of the dialogue but i i hope that what, what more than that that uh what you know the various audience members can come away with is uh you know just being able to wa watch this episode or any of the episodes that we've all done together as sort of models for I mean, right? We all communicate, right, across various different perspectives, right? Like, and I just, you know, regardless of how, what, what we have said individually or collectively, and uh, like, just the idea that, right, we're all friends, and you know what I mean. And, and at the end of the day, at the end of the episode, we're we're probably more friends than we were last time, right? Even if we disagree, and I think that's, uh, I hope that that can be modeled. Um, all right. Well, thank you all again. Jessica, great to have you back, but I know you're not going to be here next week. Uh, Jake, thank you for doing this again and, and following up on our PSYOP episode, which my mom loved. She loved the first episode a lot, and she was telling everyone to listen to it. Um, and Kenny, it's always great to have you, know, have you here. Um, you'll be here next week, Kenny, or no? Okay. Um, and we hope to have Eduardo back. So um, it's just going to be a rotating crew for this, this month, it looks like. Um, all right. Let me get to the end part. So that does it for this week's episode. What's Left is a weekly political podcast channel challenging the mainstream left. Post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes. Wherever you found this episode or on our blog at what-s-left.wednode.com. You can find past episodes of this podcast channel there and connect with us. I remind people, if you uh, like anything you heard here, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications to any of our nine platforms on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, or BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, YouTube, or Telegram. Um, if you'd like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact contact us through our blog. You can find our blog and any of these those links in the episode notes wherever you found this episode. Um, so for myself and Jessica and Kenny and Jake, thank you all for uh, being part of the episode and we'll see you next week. Um, I do have um, a little little checklist of like questions that you could ask yourself when you're looking at things. If you want to, if I, I pull, I if we can edit this out. If you know, <laughs> but it's a little, it's a little chart. Like it's about eight boxes. Shall I pull it up and just yeah? Why not? Real quick. It's 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 sort of recap, but you know the way my mind works is that. Uh, come on now, uh, screen share. Uh, you know, when my brain is, and I have a lot of stuff floating around, 
like <laughs> put it in tables and flowcharts. <laughs> I, I, I like. I guess I'm a. I guess I'm a huge nerd because like I actually like. I enjoy the process of putting it in the flowchart as much as I enjoy the usefulness of it. Right. So like I sort of broke down like. Uh, so when we're trying to sift through informations, uh, I sort of broke it into three categories, right? So you've got the data itself or the information itself, right? We've got the, the framework, right? We, we talked about, okay, which is whatever paradigm you're using to analyze it. And then like what types of presuppositions do you have about your framework, right? Now, approaching all three of these categories, right? I have up here at the top, right? This principle of non-contradiction, right? So when something is a contradiction, right? We should know that it's something that, right? This is not a valid conclusion, right? And we need to go back to the drawing board. And the golden rule part has to do with, right? How we approach the other side, which it's already articulated. Uh, so here's some of the questions, right? Uh, immediately what we have is, right? Are there any contradictions in the data, right? If there are, right? We, we, need, we need to find a different, conclusion or a different uh more information right we need to we need to go back to the drawing right uh does the data contradict your framework right okay and then right can you resolve the contradictions between the data and your framework if you change your presuppositions about the framework right or can you can a different framework entirely resolve the contradiction right like now you know, if, if the data doesn't have any contradictions, it comports with, with the framework and the presuppositions, then I guess, right, you're probably on pretty good ground, right? But, right, if your answer is yes to any of these, right, this is this is reason to, right, go back to the drawing board. Now, the, the stuff I hadn't read here is because, like, if you're, if, if it's only, if you're believing something only because of these red categories, right, that's not really solid ground, right? Like, so... First question in green is, do you believe the analysis from, from whatever source you're getting it from because you verified it with non-contradictory evidence from primary sources? Okay, that's right. That's a valid conclusion, right? But if it's just because it confirms your framework, right, or it's just because it confirms your presuppositions, right, and you can do this the other way, right? If you disbelieve something because it doesn't confirm, right, um, and then here at the bottom, uh, well, I also have, do you believe the analysis because you trust the source, right? Just because you trust the person, right? Now, obviously, we've talked a lot about establishing trust, right? But trusting someone in and of itself is not a reason to believe them in the face of contradictory evidence, right? Uh, and then at the bottom here is basically the same question, just, right, is it because you have an emotional attachment? Now, obviously, these things often go together. In other words, right, if if it doesn't confirm your framework, right, you're probably going to have an emotional reaction. So, right, like, you know, if you're ever in a situation where, right, you're you're having an emotional reaction or you're confused about something or, right, you're kind of on the fence. I mean, I just, I thought this might be sort of a, a nice way to lay it out for instead of having, you know, when your head is swimming with thoughts, it's like, it's hard to think about which, which thoughts are sort of, you know, pay more attention to so you know maybe maybe if you just if these are useful to you you could just sort of go through the steps right ask the question ask the question uh you know I, and i and i put it together because that's largely how i how my mind works right uh and so um rather than just go ad ad lib or whatever i i thought the table would be useful i, I know <laughs> I love it. I feel like my students would love it too. I can I use it in my class and give yeah, you yeah, yeah. 
I don't even know. I'm terrible at stuff like that. They always want a freaking rubric or a formula. And I'm like, hey, man, we're creative writers. And they're like, no, we're trying to write a research paper. <laughs> I love it. I think it's super helpful. Well, I do that. I do that frequently. But a lot of times, right, because my head, my head, oftentimes it's like, man, I, I think I know what this is like. Let me let me just draw it out and then look at it. It's like, OK, now I now I, now it's. And then it makes thinking about it easier because it's like, right? I've got it in, I've, I've got it organized in in in, in categories in my, in my head. So, but yes, I will definitely say I will definitely email it to you. Yeah. I I probably have some questions about including it only because I have questions about some of the, like particularly the emotional part, and it's just I feel like it takes us into a whole new area of questions for me about truth. So. That's yeah. where I'm not you sure. You don't have to include it. I, I just thought I, 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 I want to talk about Jessica and Kenny because because I actually had an issue with in some ways the notion of a strong emotional thing being a being a source of inaccuracy or a part where I might question something. I can also see, at least for me, and maybe I'm misunderstanding it, where a strong emotional response can be the basis for how I know that can be the basis of challenging a framework and it can make me force me to change my framework because I'm having such a strong emotional response to the new information that I just got, there's almost an emotional truth that trumps the framework. I, I feel like I've had that experience before. And so that's where I'm, I mean, I don't want to, now we're opening up a new conversation. That's why I'm kind of struggling. Yeah. Well, I'm totally fine with that, including it. I, I would have posited it earlier. Before I, I become the censor of the new censor of what's left. I would at least go through it. So, no, that's a good, I mean, you bring up an interesting point, I guess. Um, because, right, I mean, you might have an emotional response that is, you're, you're not able to articulate why you have the emotional response, but, it, you know, it is grounded in some moral moral you know principle but i, I guess in my mind you know it, it, as a simplified you know chart it was more am i only believing it or disbelieving it just because i don't like i really like the idea or i really don't like it right like yeah. like if somebody points out like hey you know here's some problems with what you're thinking here and i'm like you know like you know i was like you're that's right those those you know your those challenges are things that i really need to wrestle with but you know i don't like the way that makes me feel so i'm not gonna do that right that's kind of what i was alluding to but we'll, we'll i get what you're i get what you're saying though andy i i i think it depends on the context and i think i think it's really helpful as like a like you called it like a cheat sheet or something. I think initially Jake, like, uh, you know, just as like a tool, but yeah, I, there's totally bigger questions about like what counts as a framework. And then definitely like the way that our whole culture prioritizes like data and like truth in the like scientific Johns Hopkins way versus emotion or like sometimes emotion might actually be other stuff too. I feel like there's a whole, plethora of words that could be used there. Mm. All I know is that I'm going to go test this out. I'm going to tell people you're wrong. <laughs> See how they react. <laughs> Plus, look, I'm a cancer with those. I had triangles that were connected to all the water and stuff. So I can't have, have emotional. People, I can't have people making fun of emotion and, and saying bad things about emotion. That's not right. I'm not going to let it stand. 